the sky that's a pillar The alpha and the mega, the home of the beggars, the black settlers Who've been beaten, weightless, robbed and stoned The call of on the earth for service that they couldn't maintain at home This dates back to 1555 when they captured the first tribe of men And piled them in a pen, 50 feet high It took them all on the 9,000 mile ride they landed on the shore of a place they'd never seen before We read about this inside the ancient books of war Bondage and stainless steel stripped of their language Still survived the anguish of slavery but still remained nameless Separated to portions The chick by John Hardy Hawkins And sold on the auction Tore birth control and abortion Rulers of the first part became slaves of the worst part The devil's curse God and reverse God They turned God to dog and made people so tired No relief came to the prophet by W.D. Farad Taught trauma, dropped our mamas off in Bahamas and Barbados Tobago's separated us from slave boats Made our own brothers hate us From Virgin Isle to Jamaica Trinidad, Honduras, Haiti, Grenada Bermuda to Cayman, mental enslavement In the Shaolin Temple There are three kinds of men Students, disciples, and masters Development of the mind can be achieved only when the body has been disciplined. To accomplish this, the ancients have taught us to imitate God's creatures. This is Shun, master of the white crane system. From the crane, we learn grace and self-control. The snake teaches us suppleness and rhythmic endurance. Praying matters teaches us speed and patience. And from the tiger, we learn tenacity and power. And from the dragon, we learn to ride the wind. All creatures, the low and the high, are one with nature. If we have the wisdom to learn, all may teach us their virtues. Between the fragile beauty of the praying mantis and the fire and passion of the winged dragon, there is no discord. Between the supple silence of the snake and the eagle's claws, there is only harmony. As no two elements of nature are in conflict, so when we perceive the ways of nature, we remove conflict within ourselves and discover a harmony of body and mind in accord with the flow of the universe. It may take half a lifetime to master one system. I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Skill to learn. I've been practicing it for many years. Today on the podcast, uh, we will discuss the second most printed book on the planet. And what is this book? the Tao Te Ching. We're going to look into it and discuss it, and I have some clips, some recordings of the Tao, and uh, yeah, let's get into it. When there is no more separation between light and dark, it is called the still point of the Tao. At the still point, in the center of the circle, one can see the infinite in all things. 2,600 years ago in ancient China, we see the first reference to the Tao or the Tao Te Ching. Taoism is the act of observing nature as it is while removing the ego. Observing the perfect balance of nature. The Tao is man observing nature outside of himself and nature within himself and realizing the connection between the two. The Tao Te Ching will never tell you anything related to hard facts, science, logic, 
religion. In ancient China, there were three schools of learning. The first was Confucianism, the second Buddhism, and the third Taoism. Confucianism teaches us learning, knowledge, tradition, education. Buddhism teaches us of dukkha, or translated suffering, and that all suffering comes from attachment. Taoism speaks of the metaphysical world, and it never follows any traditional way of instruction or teaching. Instead, Taoism teaches us in a whisper, in a suggestion, illustrating to us the metaphysical world. And the Tao cares not whether you understand, comprehend, or are able to relate to its teachings. It is very, very mysterious and understood by very, very few people. That is truly understood because the Tao can be comprehended at multiple, many different levels. And uh, what you're looking for is to get a very deep understanding of the Tao. As a matter of fact, the words of the Tao are simple. The verses are a collection of metaphors, observations, and contradictory statements. Yet, of all the spiritual teachings of the East, it is the most difficult to truly understand. When one first reads the Tao, you either get it, or you think it's some type of twisted, senseless riddle. Verse 41 of the Tao reads, When a wise man hears the Tao, he practices it diligently. When an average man hears the Tao, he wavers between understanding and misunderstanding. When a foolish man hears the Tao, he laughs out loud. If the fool did not laugh out loud, it would not be the Tao. The Tao speaks of the void and the uncarved block, which represents that which is in nature, which is untouched and it's in its natural state. When speaking of the void, uh, chapter 11 of the Tao puts it succinctly, and it, it reads, 30 spokes connect at one hub. What is not there makes the wheel useful. Clay is formed into a vase. What is not there makes the vase useful. Windows and doors are cut from a room. What is not there makes the room useful. Learn to make use of what is by using that which isn't. That very verse is probably the most simple yet most profound verse of the Tao. The wise man understands that by utilizing the void or doorway, he is able to gain access or benefit from the space within the room. The average man visually can see the space of the room, however, does not truly understand the void is what provides the utility of the space within. The average man just cannot connect the dots of the usefulness and the profound power of the void. The void represents the mind opening like a doorway. Then once opened, looking in for what's inside of us to access deeper levels of metaphysical understanding of the world. The uncarved block, by being in a state of being uncarved, has all the forms and shapes and sizes within it, hence having infinite potential. Again, a metaphysical way of seeing the world. The Tao teaches us to be observant of seeing patterns in nature and patterns within ourself. And most important, it teaches us how to synchronize the two enabling both to flow seamlessly together. The Tao also teaches us of the utmost importance of timing in all things. So it's timing, 
and patterns that are outside of us and within us and giving us the abilities to synchronize both. The reason why the Tao Te Ching is so powerful and profound is that it requires us to engage all of that which is within us to understand and find the true deeper meanings written within it. It really requires us to engage and to participate in this process of deep, deep metaphysical understanding of the world. It's kind of like the old story where you give a man a fish and he eats for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, he will eat forever. I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. That's not an easy skill to learn. I've been practicing it for many years. Welcome back to episode 193 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Everything you hear on this podcast episode is non-commercial, fair use, creative commons license. So it's great to be back podcasting again. Uh, Pretty much it seems like I'm doing this once a month. Again, I I keep saying it, but I'd like to get to the point where I'm able to do a little bit of more than once a month, maybe two, twice a month or so, you know, on the podcast, but that's for another time. I, I just don't want to put out garbage podcasts or episodes where I'm, again, being repetitive and something that I'm doing less than optimal of what I'm capable of doing, you know? So, interestingly enough, I was going to do this episode on the power of now Edgar Tolle and a few other different things that I was kind of reading and studying you know, if you've been a listener of the podcast of late, I've really been on my biblical Jesus um, path, to, to put it in the best way I can describe it. I've been on that path because it's very important for us. But then again, you know, people are going to choose the paths that they want to choose. It's all about choice, right? So, but again, the one thing that I kind of handle it in a different way or look at it from a different perspective is that I never try to put limits on myself when I see something that can benefit me, you know, as opposed to making a choice to limiting my knowledge, my information, my scope of vision or whatever, you know, I choose to do that, to take that choice to see more, okay? Now, the tricky part is when you get into knowledge, you know, you have to be very careful because there's a lot of things that... I guess you can deem it forbidden knowledge or things that you really shouldn't be pursuing, like divinating the future and all of these fun things. But you have to put a little common sense and a little logic and say to yourself, you know, is is this going to benefit me? Is this thing that I'm studying going to benefit me and is it going to hurt anybody, right? So was it going to go, you know, against God's, you know, will for us? So... So back to the point, what, what, what I'm different about is I've been a student of knowledge studying the Tao, studying Hinduism, studying Stoicism, and just all different types of disciplines, you know, a lot, a lot of reading Castaneda and listening to McKenna and everything like that, but uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I, you know, it's, it's mind expanding and benefiting to yourself because everything is from God's creation. So where did the Buddha come from? If you look at it originally, he's a, a child of God, a creation of God. You know, it's a matter of knowledge and how to implement, employ the knowledge, how to source the knowledge, where you're getting it from, and what, what is your whole purpose of getting this knowledge. So it's, again, I pride myself on just different, uh, learning different aspects of life, but I heard, I guess it was on Instagram, you know my Instagram is Alpha Male Buddhist, uh, my email is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com and my website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com and I just wrote a book, or better said a handbook, it's not, it's probably about 50 pages total, but it's the Alpha Male Buddhist Academy of Liberation Handbook 1 and Handbook 2. A lot of what I get into there are, are verses from the Tao and different philosophies that I study, um, books that I've read that I feel have really benefited me, movies, speakers. So again, I call it a fast track to knowledge, you know, to get good knowledge and growth, you know. So yeah, I get into different, I get into the young card block and different things. 
So if you're interested, just shoot me an email at alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com or on my Instagram. And uh, I will, but I need to email, you need to email me so that I can hit reply. And I have it in MP3 format so you can listen to the Academy of Liberation handbook 1 and 2. You can listen to it in MP3 or you can read it in PDF format. Um, but in order for me to do that, I need your email. I, you will not go on any list. I will not do any solicitations. It's totally free book or uh, an MP3. So I just want to pass this uh, knowledge and, and information that I've aggregated in my life to benefit other people. And I do get some really heartwarming emails where people tell me that I've made a difference in their life as far as them seeing things that they were never able to perceive before. So back to my original point, I'm, I'm uh, getting off the topic. So I heard a podcaster speaking and he said something to the effect of, you know, I don't listen to podcasts anymore. I don't read anything. I don't like, in other words, what he was trying to say was, and it's very true. You know, there comes a point in time when you do enough studying and enough meditation and enough prayer and everything like that. It comes a time where you got to put it into practice. In other words, make an assessment of the topography, make an assessment of what's in front of you, of the landscape, and then proceed accordingly. So, almost like, you know, Hannibal going of Carthage going into battle with Rome and, you know, Battle of Cannae 216 BC, that whole kind of strategy thing where you make... An observation and then based upon the observation that you've made of the terrain is how you employ uh, how, how you uh, how you plan on employing your resources and how you're going to move forward as far as your strategy and what you're going to do so the best way to do that that's why in the beginning I had the clip from Kung Fu um, that's the TV series with David Carradine back from like 1971 I think it was Kung Fu and uh one of the masters, not Master Po, but one of the other masters was walking through the courtyard of the Shaolin Temple and you and he's getting into these um the animals, you know, the tiger and the praying mantis, the dragon, the snake, the tiger, you know, these different forms of Kung Fu, how nature's in its perfection the way it expresses itself and how one style will never have a conflict with the other style. But what that says to me too also is that if you notice each animal that has its specialty, you know, power and grace, tenacity, you know, and what was it, the stillness and the speed of the praying mantis, I believe it was, like, so everything has its application or its optimal place where you can do the application of it. So part of the real battle, yes, you want to take up a lot of information and study and read all the right books and listen to the right speakers, of course, but there comes a point in time when what are you going to do with all of this information? You're going to sit there and, you know, proverbially, proverbially um, naked on a beanbag, you know, sitting in your own piss eating Cheetos, watching, you know, reruns of Gilligan's Island. Doesn't work, man. You got to put it in, in, into, um, integrate it into your life as far as how you're going to move forward with everything like that. So make an assessment of the terrain. You have to see what's in front of you and then employ the best, tactics or strategy to get through whatever's being put in front of you, okay, whether that's a business decision or how to redirect your life or you find yourself not getting anywhere because you're not getting any traction. It's like when you listen to a speaker that they speak forever, but they're not saying anything. You know, I see so many people, they get out there and they speak and, you know, and it's funny, I was, I'm not going to mention the guy's name, but I was listening to a, a positive speaker, you know, motivational speaker, but really, really good guy. And I'm listening to them and saying, I, I, I get it, but at the same time, I mean, by sticking to just listening to one person or pursuing your life in that way of listening to speakers and what they say, you're self-limiting because you're becoming like in a way one-dimensional. And the whole beauty of life is the capability that God, our creator, has given us to employ like multi-dimensional thinking, you know, how we can get through this matrix system and how that's why everything is set up so strongly for our attention because does this system does not want you to realize who you actually are because once you're able to realize who you actually are is when you're going to affect change in your own life and people lives of people around you right so one of the best ways is to make an assessment of people like i i would specifically notice a lot of times in my life i would notice how smart my boss was okay 
Specifically, I remember one boss's name was John Adams when I worked at Third Avenue Greenery on Third Avenue and 37th Street in New York City. Tony, Italian dude, a Sicilian guy. He was half gorilla and half Sicilian, this Tony, but he was he was a cool dude. And uh, I learned a lot from watching him, and I, lo- I learned a lot from watching John Adams, the way he conducted business. He was just a smart dude, and I noticed that he was able to get the results that he was looking for by employing the disciplines and the different things that he had. But one of the things that I learned from these smarter bosses that I have is that they're able to problem solve and be flexible with what's in front of them. So that's one of the most important things in life. Yes, you want to learn and you want to dedicate yourself to learning and you want to learn these different disciplines because at some point these are the disciplines that you're going to employ again to affect change in your life. So it's important to have those ABCs down of your studies, of, you know, listening to lectures, listening to speakers, reading the right books, watching the right YouTube documentaries and everything like that. Of course, that's important. Reading your Bible and following Jesus, of course, all of those things are important. But again, there's a time when you have to put the book down or the the YouTube video that you're watching down and get up and and, uh, affect real change in life. So... That's the fun part because it's, it's, I call it, I refer to it as the toolbox in that, you know, whatever you have in front of you, you're able to reach down into that toolbox and you have the resources necessary, the mental faculties, the studying, the structure, the crystal lattice, you know, within your whole learning system, with your own toolbox to deal with the situation. And it's not always a problem. It could be that you want growth, you want to do better, like I've, I've been in my house and everything like that and I've been... Making improvements, you know, getting, and now i got to cut a lawn and do all kind of stuff like that. So it's kind of a pain in the neck in a way, but in a way it's kind of beautiful. And I'm going through a learning curve on all of that. So I guess that's a good problem to have, and I have to have gratitude for that. But, yeah, it was just interesting to hear uh, this guy say, you know, I don't listen to podcasts anymore. I've given up. And I, and I kind of get where he was coming from with that. It's so important to... You know, have that whole 360 degree ability to bring information in and take the input in and then to generate the the appropriate responses or the output on, you know, really decisions that you got to make on a day-to-day basis, whether long-term, short-term, immediately, you know, whatever, emergency responses. So you always got to stay sharp and stay on your toes. You know, yes, reading and studying is important, but also making evaluations to know what discipline to to employ in any given situation it's very very important so i'm going to go ahead and play a couple a couple more things on here and uh we'll just continue on with this episode with the explorations in the sudan region of africa of the ruins of napata the ancient capital of ethiopia which is the kush of the old testament bringing to light an ancient temple of amun containing a huge very large, huge Masonic altar. And with archaeologists getting ready to renew their explorations in Palestine and the Euphrates Valley, antiquarians expect further additions to the vast mass of evidence of the worldwide spread of primitive Freemasonry, which concealed, ladies and gentlemen, in its rites, symbols and ceremonies, the teaching and belief in the grand architect and great geometrician of the universe, a one and supreme God. But as I told you before, not, as many of you might believe, who have been initiated into the lodge and the lower levels, not the God of the Bible. No, this God is a pantheistic God, as you will find out as we proceed And not only a pantheistic God, well, all will be made clear. We can expect the explorations eventually to bring to light a lot of new material that will link the mound builders of the Mississippi Valley, the Mayas of the Yucatan, the ancient Egyptians, and the Chaldees, ladies and gentlemen, into one distinctly primitive brotherhood. And if you follow the thread, you will find that it leads right up to the present day. You see, 
The Illumined Ones believe that Freemasonry is the parent of all religion, the original worldwide cosmic Gnosis, diffused in ancient times to the uttermost ends of the earth, scattered, as it were. Freemasonry, they believe, is the Pompeii of prehistoric science. And indeed it is, if you understand that it's prehistoric science and has no basis in actual science at all. All of the Masonic ritual, its Egyptian signs, its Chaldean grips, its Sanskrit passwords, its ancient Hebrew symbols, its Kabbalistic allusions, and its historical records are supremely scientific in an ancient way and is a survival through long ages, ladies and gentlemen, by various underground channels of the knowledge of the universe which was gained by Sabian astronomers from the temple tops of Chaldea, India, and China and recorded by the equally learned geometers and mathematicians of the ancient Orient. It was this knowledge concealed within the Brotherhood that enabled them to build the gigantic sundials, such as that at Stonehenge in England. The two pillars of masonry today are the same as those which stood before the Temple of Solomon, erected by the same building fraternity known as the Builders, under the supervision of the priest architects who built the Sun Temple at Tyre, before which similar pillars stood. They are the very same pillars as those that stood before the ancient temples in America when Cortez gazed in wonder on the civilization of the Aztecs and then set out to destroy them. They are the very same pillars that fixed the solstitial points in the first crude circles of stone with a central stone representing the sun and the same pillars which became the temple of Janus among the Romans the totem poles of modern savages, and the Jacquin and Boas of European cathedrals. You see, the key to the entire secret system is to be found in the ancient method preserved from ages long anterior to their reputed time by the Israelites of using identical characters for letters and numbers, a system called Gematria, which I've discussed before, notably in the series which we called the Mystery Schools, or the Mystery Babylon series. Gematria. And upon this system, which a simple mathematical formula 10565 is shown to be the basic source of all manifested existence, that formula, when presented in the Hebrew letters corresponding to the numbers being Jad Ha. Veha, or in English, J-H-V-H, or Yahweh, or Jehovah. Now, if this remarkable fact had been confined to the sacred writings of the Hebrews, it might be accepted as a peculiar outcropping of national genius. But this is not the case. Most of you just can't understand it when I tell you it's not the Jews. It's the brotherhood of which... Many Jews are apart, but so are many Episcopalians and many Catholics and many atheists and many agnostics are all apart. You see, my research has revealed the presence of an esoteric. Esoteric means hidden, secret, or mystery. Jehovah worship throughout the entire ancient world is the basis of all of the outwardly pantheistic cults. Not the God of the Bible, but a pantheistic God. The real knowledge being concealed from the mass, or what they call the profane, by the priesthood and rulers. Because they claim it was too high for them to grasp, but the truth is this hidden knowledge was used to control them throughout the ages. The worship of the Great first principle, defined and also hidden by the mathematical Jehovah glyph, and you don't know what I'm talking about yet, so don't form any premature conclusions, was at one time spread over the whole expanse of anciently civilized America. 
whether represented by the vanished race of mound builders of our own United States or the perished races of Mexico, Central and South America. This latter wonderful fact may as readily be verified by the visitor to such a purely American collection as that in the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, or the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, as by the digger in Euphrates mud or Egyptian sands. For the proof stands out once you understand the symbols. The crowning secret of the ancients, as well as of our own time, is that the study of the structural proportions of our universe as evinced in lines of force and direction, cyclic time periods, celestial areas and visible parts, reveals, ladies and gentlemen, the fact that it is of definite form, perfectly balanced proportion, and just such a synthesis of the principles of pure geometry as to show that the features exhibited are from the same causative source as that which geometrizes the snowflake, the crystal, and the flower blossom. Hence the expression used in Freemasonry of the grand architect and the great geometrician of the universe. The ancient Egyptians adopted as the key to this great cosmic philosophy the famous Pythagorean triangle of proportions 3 by 4 by 5. Proportions, which is the basis of the celebrated 47th proposition of Euclid. The understanding of this 47th proposition of Euclid is an absolute requirement of members of the Brotherhood. They called the three sides Osiris, Isis, and Horus. Considering the first two as spirit and matter, and the latter as nature evolved from the wedding of the other two. In other words, the doctrine, the church, and the full body of initiates, the practice of it all. And this triangle represented as the eye of Horus and typifying the sun became the all-seeing eye of Freemasonry and it is clearly visible on the reverse of the great seal of the United States of America on every single one dollar bill that you have in your wallets right this very moment.
the platform. The man gave me the news. He said, You must be joking, son. Where did you get those shoes? When me just come to London town, they used to work on the underground. But working on the underground, you don't get to know your way around. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me get a little job in a big hotel. And after a while, me was doing quite well. Them start me off as a dishwasher. But when me take a stock, me not turn clock watcher. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. Nobody try to hide from me. When them give you the liquid pocket, first them wrap it with them big tax racket. Go off his struggle to make ends meet. And when you go to your bed, you just can't sleep. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch for true. I no lie, me I tell a true. Me used to work big bitch when it fall no bitch. Me did strong like a mule, but why me did fool? Then after a while, me just stop the overtime. Then after a while, me just put on me tool. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. You have to know how to survive in it. Well, me do day work and me do night work. Me do clean work and me do dirty work. Them say that black man is very lazy. But if you see how me work, you would have said me crazy. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. You better face up to it. Them have a little factory up in a broccoli. In a this year factory, all them do is pack crackle. For the last 15 years, them get me labor. Now after 15 years, fall out of fever. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me know say them have work, work in abundance. Yet still, they make me redundant. Now at 55, me getting quite old. Yet still, them send me figure draw a door. 
England is a bitch There's no escaping it England is a bitch for true It's where we are got to bout it Important to me, yeah. Important to me. 
to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. 
My Instagram is Alpha Male Buddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.